Today's show is brought to you by Airtable, the all-in-one collaboration platform. Producing quality content at a high volume is hard, and with newsfeed algorithms constantly shifting and audience platform preferences constantly changing, media companies need to stay agile to be at the top. That's why content production teams at places like Time use Airtable. It's flexible enough to adapt to your process, but powerful enough to keep everything on schedule and let creative people be creative. Visit Airtable.com slash Digiday today to get $50 in free credits. Hello and welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Brian Morrissey. Today I am joined by Nicole Carroll. Nicole is the still new editor of USA Today. She's been in the role for a couple of months and she is uh, on her agenda is to push forward on in a few areas that we discuss, uh, one of which is VR. Nicole's actually a believer in that. Um, also beefing up the video team while not betting the farm on it. And also doubling down on investigative reporting. We discuss all that and the future of local news. Hope you enjoy it. Quick note about next week. We are going to have a podcast each and every day. We are going to be recording these on the Riviera. I have to go there, unfortunately, to do this. And we've got a great lineup of folks that we're talking to, including the New York Post, Jesse Angelo, Reddit's Jen Wong, We've got Vox Media's Jim Bankoff and more. So expect the Digiday podcast to go daily next week um, for our special coverage of the Can Lions. Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So you joined USA Today as the editor-in-chief in March. Previous to that, you were the editor um, at the Arizona Republic, right? Yes. Okay, so that's a big job. It's a fraught time for newspapers. Why would you possibly want this job? Well, first of all, we're not a newspaper. We're a digital media <laughs> okay. company. I like so that. Let's correct okay. you there. Um, you know, I, there's huge opportunity here. Um, the USA Today Network has a great brand. We are growing. We've got the 109 local properties. We've got a great national footprint. There's just a ton of upside, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Okay, so explain to me why you're not a newspaper. Every hotel <laughs> I go, it's a, there's a newspaper there. It's USA Today. Well, so why are you not a newspaper? Well, we are a newspaper, but we're more than that. By every conceivable measure, we're a, a digital first and a digital majority company from revenue perspective, audience perspective, where I'm putting my editorial resources. It is a digital majority company. So how does that um, impact... Um, your decisions as far as where to put resources against because you have a heritage. I'm old enough to remember USA Today like coming onto the scene. It was like an amazing innovator. There was no color in newspapers. A lot of people listening to this podcast and our producer Aditi just has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> it was but a big deal. It there was, was no color. Deal. Sports was a big deal. Like there, the, the graphics were like amazing. There's, there is in its own way, there's a legacy there, even though it's not like a, you know, hundred year legacy. Absolutely. We were born out of innovation and we want to recapture that. Um, you know, we've been innovative all along. Let me rephrase that. We have continued that heritage of innovation. But, you know, when I look at what I want to do here, it's three things. I want to um, increase our investigative and enterprise reporting. That's what's going to set us apart. And we need to do that in a digital way. We need to look at how do we tell that relevatory information in new ways to connect with people. Um, I want to activate the network. And again, looking at those 109 properties, a huge advantage, a huge advantage. 
um, as we go out and we cover the news and we bring news to people. And then innovation. Like you said, we were born of innovation. We've continued that track, and I want to continue that, and I want to even double down mm-hmm. on that as we move forward. Uh, the market's a lot different, and I think across not just news but everywhere, the middle is getting squeezed. Give me the case that USA Today is not the middle. Get, explain what you mean by the middle. I thought of it as a sort of middle market. There's like the, the top end of the market is is the New York Times, is the Washington Post, and then you've got a lot of like um, mass, you know, digital news organizations which are based around efficiency, um, and then there's a middle of the market. You know, I, I we embrace that we are Main Street smart. We are for the entire United States. We're not for the political elite or the business elite. We are absolutely for Americans who want to get clear, you know, unbiased you know, news through whatever method that is, whether it be the print newspaper, digital podcast, um, interactive graphics. We've taken that graphics heritage and turned it into AR and VR. So, you know, we, we proudly embrace that we are Main Street smart and that mm-hmm. we can cover all of America like nobody else can. So this is an interesting time for the all of the America uh, market um, because, Donald Trump is president and um, it's a polarizing time. And, uh, you know, there's an argument that was actually made on a previous podcast that the New York Times has sort of alienated itself in a way by being very, by Brian Goldberg from Bustle's um, estimation on the side of sort of the hashtag resist side. How can USA Today, which has always been, you know, sort of nonpartisan, you know, they have an opinion page that, that goes in different directions, but has always been viewed, I think, as nonpartisan. How, how can you straddle that line? You know, we, we tell the news, and whether the news is, um, you know, puts the administration in a good or bad light, that's not, that's not up to us. We're just reporting the news. But I do think that having those 109 properties help us understand what all of America is thinking. I'm from Arizona. I was born in Texas. So I, you know, I, I really understand when a story happens that there's different viewpoints out there and mm-hmm. we need to reflect them. I think a good example is recently there was that shooting in Oklahoma and um, someone came in, I believe it was to a restaurant and shot someone. And then there was the, the, the bystander in the parking lot who yeah. had a gun, the hero, and shot the, the intruder. And so, you know, I knew immediately, yes, we were going to tell the story of the breaking news, but we also needed to get to that guy with a gun and we need to tell his story. And we knew that would um, be important to our audience because, um, you know, that, you know, being able to protect yourself is a big deal. And so we were able to track him down and we told that story and it did incredibly well online. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just, just understanding that, you know, there's different viewpoints out there and covering them all is important to us. How do you think of trust in news? Because there's a lot of um, mistrust. I mean, mm-hmm. the president is calling. Um, I don't think he's called USA Today fake news yet. Um, yeah, I'm not, you know, I don't. You know, don't he, know. He hasn't been pleased with everything we've done, but I don't okay. know about fake but maybe news. Not. I mean, yeah. you know, there's yeah. obviously his his regular regular targets, um, and that has that has an impact. It does. You know, trust is so important to me. That is our differentiator from you talked about sort of the aggregators out there and the people who are, um, you know, just doing the volume game. We we have ethics. We have accuracy. We have trust. You know, to me, the best way to do that is to be um, impeccable in your decisions, to be transparent when you make a mistake, to be transparent about your sources, to try to let um, the real people tell 
firsthand, you know, original firsthand reporting, making sure mm-hmm. you've got those sources, making sure that we lift the curtain when we do something big like the wall project and some other of our big investigations, taking people behind the scenes and saying, you know, don't just take our word for it. We hope you take our word for it. But if you need proof, here's our raw material. Here's some video. Here's some first person accounts that I try to give as much transparency as possible. Mm-hmm. Do you think some news outlets have gone too far in the other direction and almost in an advocate direction? Um, because again, this is a very unprecedented time. Right. I don't know. I haven't been around forever, but like it's a, it's a fairly unprecedented time, at least um, in my life. Oh, it's unprecedented. You know, I, I'm not putting judgment on what they do. That's a decision they Let's made. Let's do it. Cool. No, no, no. That's their decision. <laughs> Our decision has been to tell the news and to tell the truth. And you know, I'm I'm proud of when you know there's people out there who will you know do but those the, graphics. The truth. Yes. The truth is is a very strange thing these days yeah. because. Um, I don't know how else to put it, that we have a a president who says things that are simply unverifiable. I don't know. And so the the news media, I think, is in a bit of um, a a difficult situation. It's like, do they call it a lie? Do they not call it a lie? Um, What happens when, you know, there's a briefing Mm -hmm. that a real live human gives to dozens of reporters right. that the president says never happened. Right. And then we came back and said there what you know everybody agreed not to use the name those were the ground rules but you can say there was a briefing there was 200 people there were people on the phone it took place in this location. So you can you can call out every single detail to show that it mm-hmm. was indeed true. But you don't think the role of the news media at this time is any different than it was in previous times. I think our, our, our role is to spread truth. I think it's more difficult right now, but I don't think that's any different. I think our role is to spread the truth. Okay. There is a lot on the business side, obviously not a great time for the news industry. Although there are some signs of, of hope out there. Um, many of them around uh, subscriptions, direct mm-hmm. reader revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you where where do you fall on this? Um, our local properties have uh, subscriptions and memberships, and they're growing. They're doing well. We're also looking for all kinds of consumer revenue. You talked about Digiday being in events. We also are in events. We mm-hmm. have food and wine festivals across the country. We've started high school sports awards across the country. We have national storytellers that started in Phoenix and now is across the country storytelling events. And then we're looking at niche products that can also bring in subscriptions or membership revenue. So, um, but no USA yeah. Today paywall. No, no. Uh, any any thoughts of that? And what are the sort of? I wonder whether people are rushing too much into um, into subscriptions because um, like every the pendulum always swings back and forth. Before it was like everything's going to be ad supported, everything's got to be free, and now everyone wants to limit access uh, to news and are saying this stuff can't be supported by advertising. We know news has value. Journalism has value. And I do think um, you you see it in our local properties where subscriptions are growing. People understand that that truth that we talk about and that trust comes at a cost and we're seeing a growth there. You know, I think with with USA Today, we're just being very strategic and, and trying some different things out and seeing what works with consumers. Okay, you mentioned the wall. This mm-hmm. was a project uh, you done at um, at the Arizona Republic, right? Yes. Ex- yes. Explain it. So um, it was October of 2016. So it was right before the election, and I was in Arizona, and I went to a rally in Prescott Valley, Arizona, and I was in the middle of that press pen. I don't know if you were into the any of the rallies, but they literally put the mm-hmm. press in behind yeah. a gated fence in the middle of it, and um, watching the rally. And you know what really struck me, and you know Donald Trump started his campaign in Phoenix. He came back about six times throughout the campaign, so we were really just you know one of the very beginning. And at the very beginning, it was build the wall, build the wall. 
and the entire crowd is chanting build the wall and at that moment I felt a huge responsibility not only because I was editor of the Arizona Republic but because Gannett USA Today Network has properties all along the southwest border I felt a huge responsibility to explain what exactly that would mean what it would cost who it would help who it would hurt and what it would take and it wasn't to express an opinion that this is right or this is wrong but I you know again our job is to spread truth and so I had a very small goal that I wanted to educate America about the wall so what we did is we um, set out across we uh, we flew a helicopter from uh, the Gulf of Mexico to San Diego and we mapped every piece of the wall mm -hmm. we showed uh, we did an interactive map where you can you can go to the wall.usatoday.com and you can you can drag your little helicopter down and you can see exactly what is there right now and then in addition we sent 30 reporters and photographers across that area to talk about the impact of the wall and what it would truly mean to that part of the mm -hmm. country and it was it was nonpartisan because again this is another fraught issue it's like it there's is. there's a certain group of people that hears the wall and starts chanting build it now and then there's just about equal right. group of people who hears it and says racism. Right. Here's what I, I said is that we're going to, our goal is education because the minute you take a partisan view, you have cut off 50% of your audience. They're not going to listen to you. They're just going to turn it off. Mm -hmm. And so if you can take a truly educational stance, you have a chance of doing that, of educating people. So not only did we do stories, we did documentaries, interactive map. Uh, I was just telling you, I did a series of 10 podcasts mm -hmm. where I interviewed the reporters about what they learned. Again, that's that transparency because I I knew how political this was. I wanted them to hear from the reporters about what it was like to go with the militias who were guarding the border or what it was like to walk through the desert with a young woman who was looking for her brother's body. I wanted to take them into that experience for transparency's sake. So they knew that we didn't approach this with an agenda. We approached this with a curiosity. Mm -hmm. Do you tell your reporters to watch what they tweet? Absolutely. Because Absolutely. The, a lot of um, reporters, particularly... Um, in the White House beat um, have become personalities under themselves, um, you know, uh, and they share a lot of opinions uh, on on how they cover uh, the current administration that I think are used oftentimes against them, maybe rightly or wrongly, uh, to say that they're they're biased one way or the other. You know, I think it's 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 difficult because people want to be personalities and want to be engaging and want to right. have a conversation, but you can't cross that line. And I protect it vigorously um, that we we cannot express opinion um, because, again, you're going to turn off half your audience that you have just told half your audience how you feel and they're mm -hmm. not going to listen to you anymore. And we have to protect that. But on, at the same time, that's also not being totally transparent, right? If you're just like um, you're avoiding certain topics or not really saying what you think about um things. No, I mean, I think as a reporter, you can absolutely address, you know, from an analytical point of view or, in, you know, here's what I saw behind the scenes. There's a lot of things mm -hmm. you can say about a topic. But when you're a reporter, you you no longer have public opinions about, you know, things that you cover. And so that's just that's what we all sign mm -hmm. up for. Today's sponsor is Airtable, the all-in-one collaboration platform. The digital landscape is constantly evolving. And for your content to break through your publishing strategy needs to be adaptable. That's why when teams at Condé Nast Entertainment, BuzzFeed Studios, and Group 9 Media needed a tool to fine-tune their production process for the modern age, they turned to Airtable. With Airtable, you can build the collaborative, streamlined production process needed to take advantage of every viral trend. Everyone, try it today. Head to Airtable.com slash Digiday to receive $50 in free credits. 
So uh, USA Today Network has a lot of local properties. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Give me the case for being hopeful for local news as a sustainable business. And and how is it going to get there? Um, It can't keep shrinking. No, but you know, one thing I think is is what we're doing is that by um, outsourcing some of the non-local functions like a design or, um, you know, some of the technology pieces, we can focus our resources on local reporting, which is what people care most about. And that's what we've, exactly what we've done. So you do see um, still mm-hmm. healthy newsrooms in our properties because we, our scale has allowed us to take some of those costs off the local market um, and make more mm-hmm. economies of scale. But can, can many more efficiencies be found? I mean, newsrooms have been shrinking uh, to uh, on the local level um, quite a bit. They have. And, you know, I think, um, you know, we've refocused on what we're going to cover. You know, that there's just some things we say are not part of what we're going to cover for our audience. And like what, what are those kind of things? You know, um, you know, I, I laugh at, you know, I just came here from Arizona and, you know, we have we have tools, you know, we're data informed. We're not data, you know, controlled, but right. we're absolutely data informed. So we know what's resonating and what's not. And, you know, I finally had to get with a sports editor and I said, we will no longer cover community college sports period like you know what I mean it seems like a small thing but it's something we always did we have a huge community college system in Arizona it's important to people and I said I know but it's not going to be one of our priorities that's a really you'll small cover one. the Arizona Wildcats <laughs> that's, that, that's not a community college right. that's, that's, <laughs> right. you know, that's U of A and people, and people subscribe because oh absolutely of that. but that's just the colleges that's right. you know ASU so and U of A just community college exactly so but those are the kind of decisions that we make every day now that we can't be all things to all people we right. really have to figure out who is our audience and then what do they yeah. want I remember when I was a kid the, the, the Philadelphia Inquirer had a uh, Jerusalem bureau yeah I mean those those yeah. days are so far gone yeah. Well, and you know, also the other great thing about, again, I'm, you know, this is why I'm so hopeful. You asked me at the beginning why I took this job with these 109 properties plus USA Today, we don't need a bureau in DC. We have, you know, 40 mm-hmm. reporters in DC and, you know, we don't need someone in LA. We've got a bureau there and in San Francisco and you know what I mean? So we're, we're able to share some of that national coverage so that our local properties can truly do local information. And there's a business model, you think, there Absolutely. With, with a mix of paid and, and some advertising that Google and Facebook hasn't taken. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very positive about that. Okay. What, um, speaking of Google and Facebook, um, the role of platforms is mm-hmm. still hotly debated, mm-hmm. um, both in the dissemination of, of low-quality news and propaganda, but also in the, the role they've played in, in sucking up all the ad dollars. I mean, mm-hmm. they've come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and if you look at the sort of decline, particularly in newspaper revenue, um, you know, it's it's worrying. Uh, how would you say what are, are you in the camp of this is just the environment and we have to we have to figure it out um, or in the camp that um, the platforms need to do a better job of sus- of supporting sustainable journalism? Um, or both. You know, I guess I'm in a little bit of the both camp. I, you know, I, I think we have to create our own future. We can't count on them doing something for us. Right. You know, that would hope be nice. Hope is not a strategy. Right. Hope is not a strategy. That would certainly be nice. I do think, you know, they need to um, 
you know, and Facebook is trying to get a handle on the fake news and, you know, that, I mean, they, they have a huge responsibility there. But as far as, you know, what my, my camp is that we create our own future. You know, we need to put new ideas out there. We need to create, we need to put mm-hmm. new products out there. We need to give people information they can't get anywhere else. And, and that's how we'll keep growing that, you know, we'll become essential by doing that. But also fight back on things like the political ad disclosures. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A- explain why that's a that that's a, a bit of a hot button issue with publishers. Um, because we're not ads, you know. So basically, what they said is, if we boost any of our own content, that it gets labeled as an ad, and um, you know, that's you know, we don't want to be mixed in with everybody running a campaign about you know whatever their issue mm-hmm. is. We're we're giving news and information, and it's really misleading to lump us in that same group as people who are doing paid campaigns trying to sway opinion. We're just trying to use the platform to get the truth out. Quick break to tell you about our Can Lions coverage. Sign up for our Digiday Can briefing to get all the highs, lows, and the absurdities of the week in your inbox each morning. You'll also get invites to events we're hosting there, including a live recording of the Digiday podcast with me and Vox Media CEO Jim Bankoff. And we also have another live recording that we're doing later on in the week of starting out our sister podcast, and that is hosted by Shreem Patak. So if you're there, please come and join us. Or if you're not going to be there and you're just curious about what the heck is going on in Cannes, um, sign up for our newsletter. Learn more at digiday.com slash can. Now back to the episode. So basically, if someone is an advocacy group and is creating a piece of, of content, I mm-hmm. love the word content, it can mean anything, mm-hmm. um, and, they're, and they're doing it in order to, um, to sway political right. opinion one way or the other, right. that will get a label on it. Yes. And if USA Today has a, a, a story on a political topic right. that it chooses to pay in order to, right. to boost in front of a Facebook audience, it will also get labeled. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I just think that's not really truthful to the audience. It's not really clear to the audience mm-hmm. what's going on there. So we've been very vocal. I signed a letter yeah. to Facebook uh, with many other editors um, saying they need to rethink that. They need to come up with something better. Does this speak at all to a larger issue of, of how Facebook is this sort of stranger in a strange land when it comes to news? Because I mean, this seems obvious probably to you and I that these are very different um, things. But for whatever reason, at Facebook, they lump it all together. Content is content is content. They do. And it's interesting because, you know, they've had the Facebook News Literacy Project. I was actually part of some of those meetings when they kicked that off. And we had editors from, you know, around the globe. They're advising them and talking to them and they seem to be listening. And then, you know, something like this comes out. So it's, it's yeah. a bit perplexing. Well, what we often hear from publishers is the, the people, I mean, we talk about Facebook as an entity. It's it's mm-hmm. a gigantic Borg with lots of different constituencies within it. And there are constituencies that are absolutely fully, you know, on the side of, of sustainable journalism. And they might not be the people making the decisions. Yeah. So the people you talk to might not be the people that are then the next day making a decision that's completely contrary to what these very nice people were talking to publishers about. Yeah, if you have a solution, please let me know. <laughs> I don't know. Mark Zuckerberg, if you're listening. <laughs> Come on the podcast. We can talk about it. I would it. love can, that. And we can sort it out. <laughs> I'd love that. I'm all in. <laughs> Half hour tops. Um, so video. Yes. Uh, there's been a lot of, um, you know, last year was um, the, the pivot to video. Um, you guys, we have, we wrote about, um, just before you joined, uh, about USA Today, um, you know, not pivoting to video, but putting more resources against mm-hmm. video. Mm-hmm. Um, how important is that to figure out? 
It's very important. Again, you know, our job is to spread truth, gain audience and video is an important part of that. And, you know, I think we've, we've been very successful. Our video numbers are growing month over month, year over year. And, you know, not only just the news video, which is very important, but some of the franchise video like Humankind, we just launched Military Kind. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, you know, just really um, sort of the heartwarming, inspirational military stories. It's just really taken off. So, you know, we're seeing, you know, growth in both covering the news, live streaming, you know, being on the scene, and then also creating these franchises that are gaining quite a bit of audience. And profitable? Yes, absolutely. Okay, because that's important too. That is important. So how do you how do you gauge like um, how much investment to put behind that? I mean, because obviously a lot of people went like all in on video and there's still a lot of, you know, platform experiments. I always find it interesting that like Facebook likes to experiment on other, on publishers um, and then just like stop the experiment and say, oh, well, you know, you got to fail fast and all this stuff like this. And publishers are like, yeah, but that that's, you're failing with us. We're the patients. Um, how do you decide what to, what to be involved in when it comes to um, particularly platform projects? You know, because I mean, I'm yeah. sure they come to USA Today a lot. They want they want big logos on on um, you know the release. Uh, they just came out with like Facebook Watch for news, and you know it's it's usually the same suspects that are in on every sort of launch. You know, we um, we we put the wall on Facebook Watch and had great success, and so mm-hmm. I was really pleased with again our goal of educating America. I was thrilled to have those extra eyeballs, you know, hundreds of thousands of eyeballs on the wall videos. You know, we take them one by one. We evaluate. You know, we have a lot of information about our audience. We know you know what they want and what they expect of us. We look at the revenue side. We look at what it's going to take from a staffing side, and we make a decision. You know, I think the key is you have to always be evolving. You know, always. You, you're never done. You're never done. You know, with creating. Uh, the right job, the right structure, you know, the right um, allocation of resources. Mm-hmm. You're constantly evaluating and evolving, you know, where we're going. Um, on that subject, AR slash VR, um, you guys are doing a lot in there. And I, I give me, I, you mentioned innovation as being mm-hmm, important, mm-hmm. right? And um, a lot of people say that. But then at the same time, you know, this is a world of constrained resources. Mm-hmm. Um, so why does it make sense for a news organization to focus on something like AR, VR, um, which is is very, it seems still, still pretty like far out as far as you know mainstream adoption. Because we have to continue to put new things out in the world. We have do, to. Con- do we you? do. We do. Yeah. That is how we will. We have to keep putting new ideas, new products out into the world. With VR, you know, it's also a new way to reach audiences. So again, I'm going to go back to the wall. We did. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it, but through the vibe, we had a VR experience where you could literally go stand at the wall. You could look up the mountain. You could stand in the Rio Grande. You could hear the water around you. So you know, I'm working on this project. I have a 12 year old at home. I bring home the vibe. You know, I, I'm talking to him about issues, and we're talking about, you know, uh, politics, he puts on the headset, headset, he's in there half an hour, and he comes off, he's like, that is the coolest thing you have ever done. So, you know, I'm not saying 12-year-olds are our prime market, but, you know, we have to reach people in new ways. It's one success metric. You know, I'll take it. My 12-year-old thought I was cool (laughs) for about a half an hour. You know, and then I look at, you know, the AR. We just launched the 321 launch um, app for space launches with, again, using our our experts in Florida from the network. We have 70,000 downloads on people through augmented reality watching space launches. So... Is that good? That's really good. I mean, you tell me. I mean, that's... No, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because these things are very new. They um, are very new. It would seem like, you know, you could spin up a, a newsletter and reach like 
eight times that many people in a few months. Well, but A, you're getting a brand new audience, you're educating them a new way, and the engagement time is crazy. People are just playing with that app and they're just spending time on it. So that's an engaged, loyal audience that mm. may or may not, you may or may not get from a newsletter. And you can make money off this yes. at some point? Yes, at some point. At some point, any soon? You know, I, I, I don't have anything in front of me, but you know, I mean, we are, you know, we're also very big into podcast and, you know, we're working right. with wondering, we have, you know, sponsors for our podcast. So same thing with storytellers. It started off small in Arizona and now we have sponsors across the country. So you have to incubate things. You know, I say all the time, you know, we, we people who study innovation and Clayton Christensen, that whole mm -hmm. thing is what doesn't exist can't be measured. Like, you know, how can you put a measurement on something that has never been in the world before? Mm -hmm. So a, an AR space launch app has never been in the world before. So yeah, we're thrilled at 70,000 downloads and the time people are spending on it. So do you think USA Today now, and also across the USA Today network now has like a growth mindset. And, and by that, I mean, the news industry has gone through um, a, a difficult period. I think Samantha Barry was just here and she called it interesting in a euphemism. Um, it's been hard. There's been a lot of layoffs. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of cutbacks. Um, and I think that takes its toll within an organization because um, growth is not that's why when when you know news comes out that the Atlantic is hiring 100 people, mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, my God, it's news that like, you know, uh, a news organization is actually hiring a bunch of people. Uh, we're hiring a bunch of people. <laughs> we are looking. So you're to, in a growth mindset. We're in a growth mindset. You know, um, I call it, I, I think you have to be a realistic optimist to be in this business. If you're not, you really shouldn't be in it anymore because realistic meaning it's, you know, it's not all easy. Yeah. It's going to be hard, but there is, there are good things ahead. You know, we are, we're um, adding reporters outside of our 109 properties in key cities. We're hiring in Boston, Atlanta, Minneapolis, St. Louis. Um, because again, we know that the growth strategy is providing that national news report for all of America. Okay. So you're hiring. We're hiring. Yes. Okay. And, and in cities that are, that are not, because also a lot of journalism has sort of retreated to, and, and maybe this is all part of the problem, the trust problem. It's retreated to the coasts in many and a couple cities, really. Absolutely. You know, I can, you know, not only, you know, do we want to be in those cities for, um, you know, enterprising when news breaks, but the, the relationships that get you the, the, the interview, you know, on the wall project, we were trying to um, spend some time in the boot hill of New Mexico with border patrol. We wanted mm -hmm. to spend the night with them in bed with them, like really just understand how dangerous it was. Our, our national sources were, you know, no, 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 no. Finally, um, a reporter for the Las Cruces Sun News, Diana Albusular, grew up in the boot hill of New Mexico. She made a phone call. We were in like that. So, and that happens over and over and over as far as access and people talking to you and people trusting you. And again, that original reporting, you know, if mm -hmm. we're in the Santa Fe high school where the shooting happened and we're talking to those parents and those teachers and we're bringing firsthand original reporting, we're not just rewriting, you know, what somebody else has come up with, that builds trust. Mm -hmm. How do you spread that idea of like realistic optimism to um, all of the newsrooms? Because newsrooms can be um, you know, fairly cynical places. Um, and particularly when, you know, there's lots of things going on in, in this industry. Um, you know, there's been a drumbeat of, of kind of bad news over the last right. 
10 years. <laughs> right. You know, I live it. You can hear me living it right here. But I also, I'm incredibly transparent with people. You know, facts are power. Information is power. So when I sit down with them and say, look, we need to make sure your information is finding an audience. You know, some people are a little depressed at first. They're like, well, I had no idea. And I'm like, aren't you glad you know now? Now we can fix yeah. it. Like, don't don't be afraid of, of data. It's power. Now you see it. So there's two things. One, if it's an important story and it's not finding an audience, we need to do better. Like, let's go in and SEO that headline or figure mm-hmm. out how it's written or get it on the platform. But sometimes it's just not a topic our, our audience is interested in and we need to move on. Yeah, I mean, sometimes that's, you know, the, the audience is saying something. Yeah, and we need to it's listen. It's a hard balance. We need to listen. Okay, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you all for listening. This podcast is produced by Aditi Sangal. If you liked our show, and I do hope you did, please subscribe. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. And while you're there, rate us and leave a review. Like Kayla, for instance. Um, who tweeted us just this past week saying, and I'm not making this up, and I don't know, uh, Kayla, she's not a relative of mine. She said, and I quote, I love the Digiday podcast with Samantha Barry so much this week that I brought it up in three different conversations and sent it to coworkers. Parenthetical, and now I'm tweeting about it. Self-aware, too. Go check it out, especially if you're in the marketing and branding realm. Good to hear, Kayla. I think you're totally right. We hope to keep this conversation relevant and useful for all of our listeners. That's the goal. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another episode.